The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson. Hello, hello and welcome. This is the Love Rugby League podcast. We are the Final Hooter. My name's Dave Parkinson and the aforementioned Adrian Jackson is looking at me down a Zoom screen. How are you doing, man? I am looking at you. You're looking very daft with your headphones on. Oh, well, you know, you know, all, only the best for you, mate. Only the best. All right, okay. <laughs> right, so we've got a we've got a jam packed show in front of us, to be honest, because we're gonna be looking back at round two of Super League, and we've got Challenge Cup action. We're also going to be hearing from the likes of Adrian Lamb, Richard Marshall, Simon Finnegan, and Ian Watson. It's a, an interesting old uh, show in front of us, I think, mate. Another jam packed show in there, and obviously plenty to talk about within the world of rugby league. I mean, if you think back on the last podcast. We're mentioning about Daryl Powell deciding he's going to end his stay at Castle for it. And the big question was, where's he going to go? And literally a couple of days later, after us doing that podcast, he's landed at Warrington for three years next season. It always happens, doesn't it? It's whenever we've said something, the news then comes yeah. out two days later. It's, 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 it's unparalleled. <laughs> so, yeah, Daryl Powell looks at Warrington. Eh? Yeah, it could be, uh, is he going to be the man that, finally gets Warrington to be constant winners rather than just a bridesmaid all the time. I like that move, to be honest, for Daryl, because he's, he's one of these guys that, I, I don't know about you, I always like interviewing him. I've always liked speaking to him. I think he's a real interesting fella. And he always gets his teams, you know, he's got that reputation at Castleford for, for free, open, fast rugby league. Albeit there's a bit of wrestling involved as well, but you know, let's concentrate on the free and fast rugby league because that's what Warrington fans in particular have become accustomed to over the last few years, isn't it? I suppose the next question now is who's going to replace Daryl Powell? Oh, well, there's already a rumour that Andrew Henderson might be putting his hat in the ring. That's that's the latest paper mill rumour. People are just looking at the fact that. Normally, Daryl Powell works with Ryan Sheridan. He might follow him to Warrington to be the assistant, which means Andrew Henderson might be surplus to requirements. And then they're looking at the fact, oh, actually, he used to play for Castleford. Well, yeah, I mean, it is It is one of those you're putting two and two together. We could be coming up with five. Yeah, exactly. So watch, this, watch the space on that one. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Watch, we'll see. watch for the announcement a couple of days after the podcast because that's bound to happen as well, isn't it? <laughs> well, it normally happens. That's normally the case, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, another big news as well since we've done the last podcast um, is the resurrection of Toronto in the new formation of the Canadian League. What they're on about doing there, I've been saying it for years. That's what they should have been doing. Yeah, definitely. And we've also got a North American League, which is apparently going to be starting too. Yeah, so there's a Canadian League and a North American League. It's exciting times, isn't it, really, for uh, North America as a continent and and the fact that we're going to be getting these clubs. But I just wonder, uh, I've just got one nagging doubt regarding it, and I'm going to say everything, because in America in particular, there's been something that it's almost, they've had like a Baller and Rugby League split for years anyway. Uh, So it's almost like they're bringing this other competition in. And does anybody else know about it? Because they've, they've sort of gone to a couple of the clubs that are existing and said, come and join us. And they have done. Uh, Eddie Pettibone, remember him from Wigan? Yeah. He's become one of the first signings for the North American Rugby League. He signed a contract, I think it's with the Brooklyn Kings. Cool. 
but that is a, a real watch this space. I'm really happy that Toronto will get resurrected, by the way, and yeah. we might see Ottawa playing as well. Uh, because the, the, the ch- Ottawa, though, they're still throwing their name in the half the league one next season. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be funny <clears> to see how that all eventuates, really, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, with that in mind, then, uh, if, uh, have we had any further talks regarding what would have been last year this, this um, transatlantic rugby league division to run about? Um, I've not heard. I've not heard anything regarding that. Know. Yeah, I've not, I've, not, I've not heard anything else regarding that. I've got to be honest. But uh, well, uh, maybe. Maybe now we'll see some development work, which, as you said, you've been banging on about it from the start. It needs to be done, doesn't it? It does. So hopefully uh, that one will come through and Toronto will be back in the world of rugby league. Yeah. I mean, certainly those fans. I mean, we spoke, we've spoken to, you know, a number of passionate fans involved in the Toronto Wolfpack. Oh, Sandy will be happy. Sandy will be made up, yeah. But uh, I was thinking as well, there's a couple of other guys that I've spoken to, you know, over the last few months and they'll be made up that Toronto's coming back too. So, yeah, all the best with that. Just thinking about Toronto while we're on about it, uh, you mentioned Andrew Henderson might be in the run for, for the Catterford job. Brian McDermott, who was the Toronto coach before they went boom, mm-hmm. uh, distanced himself from the job. That's quite interesting, that, isn't it? Mind you, I suppose he was quite outspoken about Castleford as a place, wasn't he, at the time when Toronto were getting promoted into Super League. So it'd almost be hypocritical of Mr. McDermott to then uh, reverse, his, uh, re- reverse his thought process and go and actually sign with the club. Well, my point was, does Brian, is Brian McDermott looking at the fact that Toronto could be getting resurrected in this North American League and maybe he's staying around to become the, the Toronto coach for that? I mean, he has done development jobs before, hasn't he? I mean, he, he did that long stint with Harlequins, didn't he, and London Broncos. He's still the coach of America as well. And he is, yeah, yeah. So he'd be in the perfect place to be able to see some of the emerging talent coming through then, wouldn't he? Mm. So, yeah, you're probably listening to this podcast and go, where do these get their information from? We're just making it up. You're plucking it from everywhere, to be honest. Now I must start putting on the lottery, I think. <laughs> Maybe that'll work. <laughs> anyway, away from all that, let's talk about action. Domestics. Yes, of course. And, and obviously, since our, since our last podcast, we've had two rounds of the Challenge Cup and a further round of Super League. Where do you want to start, first of all, mate? Oh, let's go with the Challenge Cup. Oh, the beauty of the Challenge Cup. The beautiful trophy. The mystique, the wonder, the Betfred Challenge Cup. It was round two uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was a cracking tie that was on telly, by the way. Well, they were all televised, I know this, but but uh, Oldham against Swinton. Did you see that on the BBC? That was a fantastic game. Great match. Really close Proper cup tie, proper cup tie. Eventually decided when Martin Ridyard stepped up in the second half for Swinton Lions and put on a bit of a show. Then we saw York City Knights account for London Broncos by 14 points to two. Was that unexpected, do you think? No, no, not at all. I I think uh, London looked to me like they're not as strong as everyone thinks they are, you know. Mm. And um, York obviously are the big hitters in this championship along with Toulouse for... 2021 
London Broncos could be a, a bit off distance out of by the end of the season. So it was a good effort from them. Now it was a real close battle, wasn't it? But York just had enough to get over the over the winning line. Uh, don't discount Featherston in all that as well, by the way. No, another great team. I mean, I know they got into a bit of hot water after this particular game against Batley, which they won by 30 points to 22, where some pictures emerged of uh, uh, players in a bar area afterwards. And uh, was it Brett Ferris who ended up uh, serving a suspension? So uh, I'm sure there's still more to come out about that particular story by all all accounts. But uh, Featherstone Rovers made it into the hat by uh, 30 points to 22. Uh, And then Widnes Vikings, fresh from conquering West Wales in the last round, they accounted for Whitehaven, 34 points to 10. I have to admit, Ed, um, I was was a little bit disappointed by Widnes because, for me, they weren't convincing. I know the scoreline suggests a convincing victory, but Whitehaven had their chances too, didn't they? He did, and that's a disappointing thing for Whitehaven, isn't it? They bombed a few certain chances that could have swung the tie in their favour. I suppose a real turning point was when there was only like six six to eight points in the game, they were on the attack, weren't they? They put the ball down and the witness went down for an extended lead and that seemed to end hopes of a comeback. Was that Wormsley when he put the ball down over the try line but knocked on and you thought it yeah. would have been easier for him to catch the ball and actually touch it down for a try and then as you say, Widnes went straight up the other end and came up with a flowing movement, won a few flowing movements and oh the conditions on the night were, were dreadful it, it chucked it down but even so yeah. um, you know I thought that they huffed and puffed the way to that victory. Right, okay. Well that's the beauty of the cup isn't it? That's what we love about the Challenge Cup. Certainly is what we love. Shall we hear from our first guest? Yes. After that particular performance, I caught up with Widnes boss Simon Finnegan, and this is what he had to say about that victory. Well, Simon, 34 points to 10, uh, a victory for Widnes against Whitehaven. What were your initial thoughts after that game? Well, I mean, the the whole point of these games, uh, Challenge Cup, 1895 Cup, is you, you want to win and get into the next round, which we did. I don't think... It was a, uh, you know, it was our best performance. It was scrappy, and our ball control wasn't the best second half. But the conditions played our part, and also, it's our second game in in a year. So you know, we're not going to be perfect. I mean, let's be honest as well. I mean, those were some treacherous conditions second half, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't nice. I mean, <laughs> when rain's coming down sideways and the winds gustling around, and, and you know, swirling around like it is, it it ain't great. But you know, if it, if we're 10 rounds in, playing off the back of a, a normal season, that excuse wouldn't be there either. But we're, we're, we're as Whitehaven and most other teams, we're not fully up to our top gear yet and, and, and it's going to take time. But the important thing is hanging in there and, and defending tough when you need to do and then knowing that it will click when we get it right. I suppose, like you said, there's that tenacity, isn't there, to be honest, Simon? So, for for example, um, you know, there was times when Whitehaven were really knocking on the door and creating chances on you, but you held them out. Yeah, and, and again, it's we've championship and, and league one that hasn't got started, though, that they experienced it last week. We've, we've not played with these new six-again rules, and and the game is a lot quicker than, than the game that was played in 2019 you know, or early 2020. It's... It's it's a it's a hugely different game for the players and so they've got to adapt to that and, and, and they are doing that and, and doing quite well, you know, all the teams I'm watching. So it's 
there is times when you, it probably does look a little bit loose and, and they're not quite there. But, you know, it's, it's a fast game these days and, and they're adapting to it as they go as well. Like you say, it's almost like a learning curve, isn't it? Because everybody's come back and, and, and these new interpretations and things like, you know, your your, your taps on, and things being brought into the middle, no scrums, it does quicken the game up an awful lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot quicker, which is good. I, I, I like the rule changes and, and all these things. But, you know, coming off the an unusual pre-season where you haven't done the amount of running that you should have done and, and you can do, and then going into these game situations that you were, you know, let's be honest, no one's ready for it just yet. And so a lot of it is going to take time. And, and I mean, the quality, I think, still across the league and the games I've seen so far has been pretty high. You're going to get the odd game where there's going to be drop ball and, and that fatigue. But in general, I think it's been quite a good spectacle. I thought you had some pretty good uh, showings today. Jack Owens, you know, for example, I thought he's, he's really stepping into that leadership role now. Yeah, he's been, he's been good and, and, you know, he ticked that record last week where he, he's now in the top 10 of witness players and top point scorers, which is an incredible stat for someone his age and, and that calibre of players that have come through this club and he, he was good again today. He's got a slightly different role that he's learning now where he's a bit closer to the ball, which gives him opportunities to support and, and put his stamp on the game, but he was... He was good again. He's going to get a lot better as the season goes on. But, you know, he's he's an impressive player. Is that something that you've spotted in his game and thought, well, if we get him nearer the ball, he can create a bit more damage? Oh, it's just maybe the style that, that we want to play and things like that, that he's got to be a bit closer to the ball, and which means, he, you know, he's going to have to work because if you're closer to the ball, you're following it all over the field. So, he's you know, and it's something that he's relishing as well because he you know it's a, everyone likes scoring tries and, and and putting their stamp on the game but he's got that in his locker that he can do that so it's it's something that i've seen that he could do but also that i thought will help our team as well simon finnegan there obviously happy to get the win but like i said th- there's a few alarm bells sounding for me from a witness point of view well, you mentioned it before the ball was kicked, didn't you? Uh, witness look good, one to seventeen, when they're all fit and healthy. But as we found out in the in the last game against Salford, uh, they pick up a few injuries uh, and they're bringing in uh, a lot of the kids that might not be up to it. Uh, shall we go there? Might as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that set up that Challenge Cup tie with Salford, and at the weekend, Salford Red Devils. Ended up easing to victory by 68 points to four. A couple of tries from Morgan Eskery, a couple of tries from Matt Costello on his debut. Uh, and Widnes only troubling the scoreboard just before half-time with uh, impressive debutant Daniel Hill, uh, a youngster playing at fullback. He was involved in all aspects of the game, saved a couple of tries, was trying to get involved, perhaps a little bit too much. I think he was trying too hard at times, but I, I was encouraged by his performance and perhaps not a lot by what Widnes had to put on Salford other than the first 20 minutes. Uh, Salford were just too good, weren't they? And didn't really have to get out of first gear to put on a convincing scoreline. Uh, Widnes just needs to go away, lick the wounds. And then get ready for the, the championship. So, like we've said there, Salford Red Devils finishing convincing victors. This is what Richard Marshall, the new boss and the new man at the helm of Salford Red Devils, had to say about it afterwards. Yeah. Did you get out of that what you what you wanted? 
was everything you wanted from, from that game? Uh, for, I reckon from an attacking point of view, from an offensive point of view, yeah, we. I thought we ironed out a few of our issues over the last few weeks. Um, defensively, we probably didn't, uh, although we, we conceded before half-time again, which we're not happy about. Um, that's something that's a, a recurrent theme, so we have to be better in that area. Um, um, but as we, as we looked at it in the week, I think they were a little bit under strength witness at the same time, but they've got some quality within their troops, and I thought their half-backs really had a good go and, uh, and, and challenged us at times. Uh, but for our guys, I thought we, we scored some wonderful points. We've not, you know, we've not scored many tries over the last couple of Super League rounds, uh, albeit it was against a championship team. You, you've still got to score, you've still got to make breaks, you've still got to offload. Uh, and I thought, yeah, so from that point of view, it was really encouraging. Are you much happier with the second half than the first half? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I thought, yeah, second half was, uh, I thought Witness did tire. Uh, and, we, and, you know, we played at a, a very high level, which we're going to have to do uh, over the next coming weeks. Uh, we're not going to get carried away. I'm certainly not going to get carried away. I've, I've, I've been involved in blowout scores before on both both sides of the coin. Um, and uh, and it's, yeah, we like, as I said, that when we played Saints, losing to Saints wouldn't define our season. Well, this this 70 points or whatever it was against Witness won't either. So we, our feet are firmly on the ground. Are you happy with how, I mean, they both scored two tries each, like Matty Castillo and Morgan Esquire. You must be happy with how they slotted in and made an impact. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, they've obviously been knocking on the door over the last couple of weeks. Um both new players to our to our club, um, and both took the opportunities really, really well. Um, I thought defensively, Matt uh, had some good reads when he was challenged, and I thought Morgan was just uh, he was everywhere, wasn't he? he you know, he's 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 electric. Um, so yeah, he was on the end of a couple of things, and and and, and Matty was he'll get a lot of confidence. He's only a young lad, and he's, he's a young player. I know he's played a few games in Super League, but. I get a lot of confidence from that from from uh, from his teammates as well. And the lad who was there last season, Jack Armandride, really showed up, didn't he? Yeah, he's probably uh, you know he's one of them unsung heroes within our within our team. He's probably on the on the periphery of the first team here at this club and, and other clubs that he's worked at. Um, but I, you know when we when we sat down at the start of the season, he's not a young man anymore. He, if he wants to be a Super League. Player, he's going to have to play week in week out against the best teams, against the best packs in the country. And uh, uh, he had a yeah, he had a good, a, a really good, solid game for us today. He looks strong in contact, but his challenge will be to do it every week. Uh, he's been good over the last couple of weeks, uh, so yeah, he's a, he's a shining star for us. I was just going to say, he showed the attitude that's needed for a game like today, but he needs to repeat repeat that attitude in Super League games now, whenever he gets yeah. a chance. Yes, he does, and and so does everybody else. Really, we, you know, Darcy Lussick's come on there and made his debut and played sixty odd minutes and and had a real impact on the game. We just wanted to keep him out there. He, he did get tired towards the end of his stint, but again, so you've got Jack Ormanroyd and Darcy. Lee Mossop literally played 20, 21, 22 minutes, uh, so we were afforded the luxury of probably bringing them players off Tui as well. Um, so it gave them guys a little bit more ownership and a little bit more work uh, through the middle.
Richard Marsh were obviously happy to have got the results. Um, and that'll give him, him and the Soft Red Devils the confidence to kick on and maybe produce some of that form in the next Super League games that are coming their way. Yeah, certainly they haven't really troubled the scoreboard operators, have they, much before no. that particular game. Um, but we were just talking before we, we, we went on air, weren't we, just regarding this last round of the Challenge Cup. And, and you picked out a game and a half. Yeah, it's been some cracking games. I was impressed with the York-Wigan game. I thought York made a good account of themselves. Um, but the standout performance for me, I know obviously all the spotlight was on Saints and Leeds to see who could come overcome that all Super League challenge. But um, for me, standout in the game was that Titanic battle between Hawkinson Rovers and Castleford. Imagine playing a game of rugby league for nearly 99 minutes. Uh, it was an amazing game. N- not so, yeah, you've mentioned it. 99 minutes of action. You certainly got your money's worth in that one, didn't you? If you if you purchased the stream via our league, uh, Hulking. Sore bodies in Hulking in in, in uh, there have been some sore bodies in East Hull and Castleford on Saturday morning. Oh, most definitely, yeah. I was quite impressed by this game, to be honest, and Hull Kingston Rovers' early form because they led 22-6 at half time and looked a class apart. They found points hard to come by, particularly against St Helens in the, the last Super League round. Uh, but they were on it, you know, from minute one through to half time. Castleford were never in it. I don't know what on earth Daryl Powell said to his troops at half time, but he wants to bottle it because the way they came back was something tremendous. And they scored with the very last play of normal time. That took it into extra time. There was the chance of Richardson to win the game with the conversion, but he missed it. And it meant that we just went into five minutes worth of extra time, then another five minutes worth of extra time, then another five minutes worth of extra time, and then four minutes. And there was about six or seven different drop goal attempts before that man, O'Brien, who seems to like picking up drop goals against Old Kingston Rovers, got the winning point. It just shows that rugby league players are rubbish at taking drop goals these days, aren't they? <laughs> it was, but what a game. I mean, I, I loved it. I was listening to it. Uh, actually, uh, I, di- I didn't actually see the game, but I was listening to it on the, the local radio coverage. And I, I tell you what, it sounded like an absolute umdinger. Yeah, James Dayton was almost shattered at the end of it. I'm not surprised. I mean, we, we've done commentaries in the past, haven't we? We've been shattered after 80 minutes. He's He should have been on extra time himself, shouldn't he? I think even Willie Poaching was feeling the pace of it as well. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Castleford Tigers winning that one, an absolute thriller. Uh, And I love games like that, high scoring and unable to decide who wins it until going into extra. It was was one of those games for the ages, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it certainly was. Uh, What do you make of Leeds and and Saints? Uh, I have to admit, because I was... Game because because I was elsewhere. I was over at the uh, I was over at the Salford game, so I only caught the last half hour of this. But it seemed like a bit of a boreathon in honesty until Brad Dwyer took the field and started to make things interesting for Leeds. Yeah, I just thought Porty. Both teams were pretty poor, but St. Helens again. They are proving they're going to be the team to beat. Oh, certainly. You've certainly got a. You've got to do something a bit special, haven't you, to beat St. Helens um, and, and Leeds unable to come up with the goods when it counted there, unfortunately. Unfortunately, no no championship upsets regarding uh, cup, uh, cup wins against the Super League boys, but um, one or two uh, impressive performances either, either way. I'd like to swing to an York. 
Yeah, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about York, haven't we? And, and sort of how doggy they were against Wigan. The fact that they gave a couple of teenagers the, the first team debuts as well. I, I always love to see that. Young players making the way in rugby league. Uh, but you mentioned Swinton there. Swinton were excellent against Warrington. Frustrated them for so many long periods in that game. Uh, it was only 20 points to eight at half time as well in favour of uh, of Warrington. And we all know how dangerous the Wolves can be if they get that left side attack going. Um, so the fact that Swinton were able to restrict them to 20 points and then restrict them to a further 12 in the second half was, was really notable, wasn't it? I reckon the players really got the pricey rocket at half time. You think so? You think so? Yeah, pricey. Yeah, right, yeah. I wonder what the pricey rocket actually sounds like. Because <laughs> he comes across as the most mild mannered of blokes, doesn't he, whenever he does an interview? Maybe so, but in the dressing rooms at half time, it's not going his way. The, the pricey rocket would have been blasting all over the place. Warrington's been patchy so far this season, haven't they? Have. Well, we're still waiting for Greg Inglis. Where is Greg Inglis? <laughs> this is almost sound, sounding like the worst Wally books. Scooby Doo out there to pick to, <laughs> to find where he is, man. What's he doing? He's What's being, wrong with him? He's being kept out by those pesky kids. That's what he's been doing. By <laughs> <laughs> well, the pesky kids, I mean, I thought I thought um, Toby King looked pretty decent actually. Oh, he's been in great form for the last twelve months, hasn't he, Toby King? And yeah, came up with a couple of tries. And um, but but you're right; he just seems to be getting better and better. And I'm looking to the end of the year. There's surely a World Cup spot for him somewhere. Come the end of the year. When do you think uh, English will 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 don the primrose and blue? I know he's done the promo shots. When do you think he's actually going to be out on the field? Well, he's been out on the field. I've seen him actually train out on the field, but that was yeah. in Chris Hill's testimonial, uh, and that was him not actually taking the field, but training beforehand. Um, how long's a piece of string? There's almost a there's there's a constant question at the moment around rugby league to three coaches. So with Adrian Lamb, for example, it's How's Bevan French? Where's Bevan French? What's happening with Bevan French? With Steve Price, it's where's Greg Inglis? What's happened to Greg Inglis? Where's he up to? With yeah. Ian Watson, it's where's Aidan Caesar? What's happened to Aidan Caesar? Why is he not playing, etc.? It's every single week. Um, so, yeah, there's almost like a, a repeat button that these coaches keep saying. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know when we'll see Inglis. I'm hoping that it's soon because we were really looking forward to him getting his rugby career back underway, weren't we? Yeah, it's not happened for him in 2021. Speaking of Huddersfield, anyway, despite the fact agencies have not really started the game for Huddersfield, they still proved to be too strong for the Centurions. They did, and they played really well in patches during this particular game. Uh, scored some some fine tries, uh, aided by the Lee defence, a generous Lee defence, it must be said. Uh, uh, I didn't know you were that generous party, but you obviously are. Well, you know, us, us Lathers, generous to a fault, and there was quite a few faults on that field and missed tackles. But, um, yeah, um, I, I know I've already had a go at witness, so it's only right that I turn the, my attention to Lee Centurions, who were just... They weren't keyed in enough in defence. Huddersfield were finding 
overlaps in places where there shouldn't be overlaps and, and, and players just miscommunicating and as a result by half time uh, they were already virtually in the next round 20 points to 6 up yes there was a bit of spirit shown by the Centurions in the second half Jordan Thompson in particular having a, a, a cracking game for the Centurions but ultimately Uddersfield Giants were, were too strong Jermaine McGilvery with a hat trick nice to see him back on the scoring sheets again yeah, without a doubt. Certainly he's a talented player, is Jermaine McGilvery. Almost as um, Mr. Huddersfield, that's the owner himself. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Who's currently gone on to uh, bigger and brighter things with Super League. We haven't got him to speak to because uh, unfortunately we couldn't get access to that particular media uh, account due to uh, our work commitments. But one guy we did catch up with speaking after Huddersfield's first win of the season was Ian Watson. And this is what he had to say about it. It was a lot better, mate. A lot, like I say, it's not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. We've got still a lot of improving to do um, in and amongst that, and we've just discussed that now. But it, it, it's, it was better from us. Um, it, it's been building on the first two weeks. We've been good, probably second half of the games when we've really kind of spoke about it at half time. I thought the first twenty minutes today, I thought we were really, really good in terms of how we played and we had that composure to win field position early. Um, so, yeah, o- overall, a- a- another step in the right direction, to be fair, Gaz. You must be really happy with how Jermaine went with his hat-trick. Now you're sort of working with him day by day, you see perhaps more about him than you perhaps saw on tape and when you were opposite oppo- opposing him as a coach. Oh, well, mate, when you're opposing him, he's a big threat and you've got to deal with all the time. So your video focuses in and around a lot on Jermaine, to be fair. So Jermaine's been quality since I've kind of come in here. He's he's one of them who's willing to learn as well and wants to learn and wants to get better. Um, So, mate, he's great to work with at this moment in time. You've perhaps seen things about his game that perhaps you'd not noticed before. Now you're winning day by day. Or, yeah, there's certain things that we'd noticed before as well, which we've been able to work with Jermaine to make him better on or to try and fix him up as well. But that's going to be ongoing, that. It's like we've said with the team, you, you don't win anything in the first few weeks of the season. You, 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 you've got to build your processes. Um, I, I always take the, the view that you have to build things before you can kind of sustain them. And Sometimes that, that takes a little bit of time in doing. Um, I do have a belief that these players individually are very, very good players. What we've got to get them to do is buy into the team ethic that we need consistently to be a top team. Cheers, Watson. I'll pass you over. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Hi, Watson. Hi, Matt. You said last week that if they learned the lesson from the second half, you'd be satisfied. Did they learn that lesson? Yeah, I think you saw the way we started the game in the first 20 minutes. We, we were a lot better, a lot more kind of composed again. We started how we did in that second half against Catalan, which the second half against Catalan, I think, won 4-0. They, they didn't score any points on us. was disappointed with the try again. Um, a, a little bit weak defensively from us, um, which the boys have recognised put the hand up. Um, so, we, we just there's things for us to improve on, mate, but it, it was a lot better. What did you... Uh... What do you think went down when they sort of had that little fight? Say again, Matt, I lost you then. Sorry, just say what what did what do you think went wrong when they had that little fight back? Oh, we just lost the field position, um, a little bit of our discipline again, which we spoke about obviously last week. 
Um, I think, did we try and strip the ball? And they, they got a penalty as well on the back end of that, coming out of yardage for us being offside again. So we, we just gave them a little leg up. And that's probably, that's the lessons for us is, if we want to be a top team and we want to compete against the St. Ellenses and the Wiggins, we've got to be very, very good in that area. We, we can't be doing that. And, and that's the big lesson we're trying to learn here at this moment in time is that to be a top team, we've got to do things consistently well all the time. And like I say, it, it, it takes time to build, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll definitely get there. How impressed were you with, with some of your middles today? They didn't seem to be able to put down Josh Jones. Yeah, no, Josh, Josh was great, mate. Mate, Josh is a high-quality player. He's coming to the middles and he's took to it really, really well. He's, he's looking phenomenal. He's making big metres in the middles. He's being able to get his arm free for quick play the bottom for offloads and get quick play the balls as well. So he's a difficult person to, to handle. And I knew he would be like that as well. If Josh Jones, like I say, can play in whatever position Josh Jones wants to play in because he's got that footballing ability. Is it a relief to get a win on the board or are you not awfully concerned by it? Yeah, well, it's, it's always good to win, Matt. <laughs> you always want to win. Um, but my big thing is, is getting the processes right. Even though we've won there, we've just said, look, it's a great win and we celebrate all our wins. But there's still a lot of improvement and a lot of learning for us to do. We're, you only really know once you start playing games in how your team's going to adapt to the style of play you want to play, um, the mentality that you want to kind of drive into them as well. So it's always going to be a little bit of a process and it's not just fixed now because we've got one win, mate. So my focus is exactly the same as it was after the whole game and after the Carlang game. But it is, it's it's nice to get a W next to your name for definite. Ian, I just really enjoyed that performance from uh, from Kenny Edwards. I thought he was tremendous out on, on that flank. He's a dangerous player. Um, he's a great footballer as well. So sometimes you've got to try and rein Kenny in a little bit because um, he wants to play with the ball all the time. But the one good thing he's willing to do is he's willing to do the hard work first as well, Kenny. So he's definitely a plus factor in being in our squad. You'd rather be playing with him in your team than not having him. Um, and like you can see, once the game opens up, you can see what, what such a good footballer he is, mate. And it was really good as well because he, he exploited a couple of times the, the new ruling with the ball stripping. Oh, he, he was um, one of the big guys in behind kind of us talking about that in the pre-season and um, doing it in some of our sessions um, himself, Aidan Sees, obviously because it's over in the NRL, it's been over there before. So they've got little um, knacks of how to do that and he's, he's definitely looked like he's going to be one of the best at it anyway. So Ian Watson there. He's slowly stamping me his style of rugby onto that Huddersfield team and that can be bold well for the Giants for the rest of the season. Very much so, very much so. He's got some decent personnel there as well. I mean, Josh Jones was in, in really good form. Kenny Edwards, we all know him from that uh, that stint at Catalans a couple of years ago. He was brilliant as well. Uh, and then we've already mentioned uh, Jermaine McGilvery with his firepower out wide. One team I am worried about uh, for the rest of the season, Park, it's got to be Wakefield. Um, really struggling performance-wise, and they ran into the Catalans juggernaut. Uh, they did, yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose they're playing in fits and starts at the moment, aren't they, Wakefield? It seems like they get a good half where they keep teams close and then they have a bad half where they let teams get away from them. Um, but that is habit forming. They've done it in the last two or three games now, haven't they? And and, and it's yeah. a worry for Chris Chester. And, and if you look at Chris Chester's coaching career at this moment in time, I think they've only won something like seven or eight games out of the last 30. So, you know, he, he must be thinking... That's a, that's a sacking. 
That's a sacking kind of form, isn't it? It's not good form, is it? It's not good form. And he's sitting there at the moment. It must be like a powder keg at Wakefield Trinity. On the flip side, looking at Catalans, I think that they've been pretty impressive, unbeaten in Super League, of course. Uh, and Sam Tompkins, he's rolling the clock back, isn't he? He's playing some fantastic rugby. Super Sam's back in back in style, man. He's great to watch, isn't he? He always has he been. Do you reckon he can force his way into Sean Wayne's England team? Oh, without a doubt. He's already been named in the 35-man squad. So, you know, surely he's just got to keep up that form and, and he, he's definitely eschewing. Well, if he's, if he's got his eyes just on the fullback role, he might have Zach Hardacre for competition for that one. Uh, Jake Connor's been in good form as well. Uh, and yeah. Niall Evolds has been a bit of a bolter from Castleford. He's got in this 35-man squad as well. Hull FC with Brett Hodgson seems to be uh, heading in the right direction as well, proving uh, to be too strong for Feathers and Rovers. I was expecting better from Rovers in that game. Yeah, they, they got an attack of uh, attack of the nerves and attack of the dropsies, didn't they, in the first half in particular. There were some players that don't normally come up with the type of errors. Um, and it was strange because Featherstone actually had the strongest start in that one. They scored first of all after about two or three minutes. Um, and then they just let themselves get overwhelmed by Hull FC. Uh, Tuaman Varvi coming up with a couple of tries. Griffin's been in great form. He came up with a couple. The only disappointing thing, as far as that's concerned, in that last game, I, I don't think that Brett Hodgson will have been too impressed with the second half. Yes, they had it sewn up at half-time, leading 34-4, but the final score of 14-34 suggests that they didn't really show up in the second half. Oh, I'm sure Brett Hodgson's not that harsh, is he? Oh, I think he is. You, you forget he's been he's been away from Widnes for a long while now. Yeah, I, I think he would have been more than happy with what, what, what he saw during that game for forty minutes. Yeah, but you know, coaches the hard taskmasters anyway, mate. Wow, if he can be miffed about that second half, well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm thinking that he would be. I'm thinking that he would be. All in all, with those results uh, in mind, that has meant that we actually have the quarterfinals which have been drawn. And uh, some interesting ties here, by the way, Adrian. Hull against Wigan, Castleford against Salford, Catalans against Warrington, St. Helens against Huddersfield. Yeah, some interesting um, showdowns there, isn't there? Uh, I suppose the standout one is it, it's got to be and we're going to hear it, aren't we? It's a repeat, the 1985 final. <laughs> yeah, that was a great final, though, Ed. You've got to admit it. Yeah, cracking final. What do you think the class of 2021 will do for both of those sides, though? I don't know. Oh, will we revealed? Yeah, neither do I, actually. Uh, certainly <laughs> going to be a, a, a great cup tie, that one. Uh, I'm looking forward to Castleford and Salford. Because, you know, neither of those sides really heralded. Salford made the final last year. They've got a real chance of going into the semi-finals, haven't they? But I'm sure Daryl Powell will also be wanting to, to get back to Wembley, won't he? Yeah, it's going to be tough for Salford to get over. We cast the Tigers on that out of that one. Uh, as for Warrington Catalans, well, it's a repeat of the final from a couple of years ago. Def Can Catalans repeat the same winning formula? Well, you never know, do you? I mean, they've gone for a, a bit of a different look these days, haven't they, Catalans? They've uh, really revamped the forward pack. But, uh, yeah, it could all change in a month anyway, couldn't it, with form and, and the like? Well, while we're on about repeat finals, uh, I suppose everyone will be having a flashback to the early 2000s when St. Anne's got the better of Huddersfield at Twickenham and all places. 
Yeah, 42-12, I think it was. They they absolutely overwhelmed them. I'm sure Huddersfield will have uh, they'll have different opinions though this time round, and and certainly there's there's different personnel involved, isn't there? There is. So it's all about the, the cup, and and like you said, we've got a couple of uh, rounds of Super League before we get to that that uh, quarter final Chance Cup stage. Talking about Super League, we've also had a round of Super League chucked in, haven't we? So, um, games coming thick and fast, aren't they? They are they're, they're too quick for us, to be honest. That's where yeah. it is. It's all the it's like set repeats all over again. That's why we're doing this podcast later than that, than the originally build. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> let's have a look and see what actually happened in the round of Super League that took place over the Easter weekend. Normally, we'd be talking about two rounds of fixtures, wouldn't we? But we just had the six games to talk about. Australian coaches got their own way eventually. I knew you'd say something like that, mate. I knew you'd say something like that. There was the traditional fixture, by the way, to get us kicked off on the Thursday night. It was Hull Kingston Rovers against St. Helens. No Wigan and Saints Derby, mate. Weird. So St. Helens winning that one 25 points to nil, by the way. Then we saw that other well-known Easter fixture, Wakefield 6, Wigan 34. It just doesn't seem right having Easter fixtures and them not involving St. Helens and Wigan. But St. Helens and Wigan fans have not had their Good Friday fix, have they, for this year? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, one man that did have his fix, though, Adrian Lamb, his side winning that one, 34 points to six, like I mentioned. And this is what he had to say to local journalist Phil Wilkinson. Obviously a comfortable scoreline. Did you see that at half time? Did you feel that that was going to happen in that second half? I, I had a, a good feeling about the game. Uh, you know, I thought we, watch, watching us physically from the start, we were there to play. And, and I was really confident that, you know, whatever try they got or or points they got, I thought we could always. I felt confident that we could run it down. But we had a few chances and a few opportunities in the first half that we didn't nail, and we just I couldn't wait to get to halftime really and, and explain to them why that was happening. So conversation at halftime was great. You know, they bought in, and, and you know, the second half again was a, was a clean sheet and, and some points. And given how disjointed and makeshift that bat line is, you you must be pleased to score five second half tries. Yeah, very, very pleased. You know, some sometimes in that first half there when we weren't executing how we'd want to to get the points, I, I was looking at that as the reason, you know, thinking, oh, just be calm. It's because, you know, we haven't had much time together as a group. And, you know, Jake Bibby getting a hat-trick, his first hat-trick for the club, it was outstanding for him. And just, the, you know, the, the, the execution down that right side was really first class. So pleased for him and, and, and for the whole group. And it looks like you've unearthed a, a new centre at Wigan, age 30 years old. <laughs> the redhead? <laughs> uh, look, you, you know, I had a conversation with Faz at the start of the week about him potentially playing there. And, and professional as he is, he was like, Lammy, I'll do what the team needs, you know. I'll, I'll... And then straight away he came up and sat with me and, and we worked out, had a look at, put, did some homework for him on, on his opposition player. And he just looked at that and, and ticked the boxes all week to make sure that he had him covered and, as in knowing what to expect. And, you know, he, he broke the game when we were up by six. He's just his single carry there. And, and he probably he probably did that because he had a bit more energy in him too. So, um, you know, again, you know, just Mr. Reliable. Two from two and obviously a strong finish to this game. Is that what's pleasing you? You're feeling like you're building? 
Yeah, I, you know, I just said to them in the dressing room there, it's, I think everyone was frustrated halftime of last week, even at the end of last week's game and halftime of this game, because I think we, we want to be back to where we were last year quickly and we, we're just not quite there. So with that comes a bit of frustration. And, and but, but I thought this second half tonight and you know, no, for, the whole, for the whole game, I know the first half was a bit rusty to, to the spectator's eye or on TV, but for me, it was there. You know, I could feel... Mm. I could see that the intent was there, um, the aggression, the hunger, everything was there. So, you know, we're, we're in a good good shape now. Just get a word on, on you. I should have asked you in a week. Uh, Willie Ice's 150th appearance. What kind of bloke have you found him in, in the club and, and obviously what he makes, the contribution to the team? Yeah, well, he's in. he's been promoted into a leadership group this week, selected by his peers, you know, so that just says everything about him. So for me, as a, as a coach, Willie's the ultimate professional in every part of his preparation before training, at training, uh, you know, at home, away from rugby. He's just the ultimate professional and really popular member of the group, which shows that, you know, everyone trusts in him. He's, he's, um, he's, he's like a father to some of them. You know, he, he, he has the hard word to say to players that need to pull in line at times. And, for, you know, for me, he's, he's that player that you need in your front line with you going to war. So, and I'm really pleased for him tonight. The whole performance was set up around making sure we got the win for him to reward him of his of his time so far at this club and his achievements. A content Adrian Lamb there. Fairly happy with the performance, especially second half. They pulled away, didn't they? Yeah, far too strong, far too good on the night, weren't they? They were, they were. Jake Bibby doing his best NRL impression. I think Brett Morris is leading the try scoring over there in Australia uh, and Bibby doing likewise in Super League. Five in two games for him. Pretty good start to the year. Red hot farmers there, Jake Bibby. Yeah, very much so, very much so. I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes for the rest of the year because I've always thought he's been an underrated player and he's now starting mm. to get his, uh, he's starting to get his rewards now, isn't he, in his career? He is. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Who were the other winners over the Easter round of rugby league action? Well, Castleford defeated Leeds. Hull accounted for Salford. Catalans accounted for Huddersfield. And Warrington had a whopping great victory over Lee Centurions. Uh, fantastic play down the left-hand side again. 44 points to 12 in that one. They have um, been given the tough uh, reintroduction into Super League for 2021. And if you, if you think back, uh, that particular round was it was billed as the Mossy Massau uh, round and they've raised over £100,000. Yeah, really pleased for that, to be honest. Uh, I think that, you know, Mossy's one of those guys that has been popular wherever he's been, hasn't he? You know, and he's uh, had all these challenges since he broke his neck. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really pleased that, once again, Rugby League showing its caring side and, and coming up with, uh, you know, a lot of money for the cause. Yeah, without a doubt. And hopefully they'll raise even more money. I hope so. And uh, I think it was something that was being done over in Australia as well. Um, so over a hundred grand raised over the, the course of that weekend. And let's hope that, as you say, there's more to come. Funny you should mention uh, Australia. I noticed the South Sydney players all came out with the uh, Mossy Massau big thumb. I think it was a great gesture, that, wasn't it? Uh, and it just raised the profile of it even further, didn't it? It did. Yeah, nice touch, that. Did you dig your uh, Mossy Massau wig out? Did I? Well, I, I know you're looking at my barnet now, and obviously... Listen, you've got all the rugby league wigs. You've got Freddie Tualangi's one. You've got the 
You've got the Fury Fury one from, the, from his days at Lee. You've I definitely have. got the Mr. Missile one. Oh, well, that one's an order. It's an order, that. But I thought, you were, I thought you were just taking the mick out of my hairstyle that I'm sporting at this moment because obviously we're recording this and all the hairdressers and barber shops have been closed, haven't they, right up until today. Well, I've noticed amongst the players of 2021, the mullet's on the way back, and so I might start going the mullet for me. Uh, is, is it only back because the, all these places have been shut? Yeah. Listen, I reckon the mullet should stay for 2021. You are right to mention the mullet, though. I mean, over in Australia, Ryan Pappenhausen has a bit of a modern take on the mullet where it's shaved at the sides and long on top. Uh, and then Blake Wallace has just gone full 1980s style at Lee. That's a, that is the best mullet in the game. Yeah, for you mentioned that, that's a cracking haircut. That, and it looks like he's been getting his inspiration and knocking around with Glenn Oddle and, uh, and Chris Waddle. It'd be remiss of us not to get through a show without actually mentioning that the Betfred Championship has started as well. Uh, so wins on the opening weekend for Sheffield Eagles. That was a really big win against Bradford Bulls. For Toulouse yeah. Olympic over York City Knights. For Halifax Panthers with another resounding win against London Broncos. What on earth has happened to the Broncos? Dewsbury Rams also uh, managing to defeat Whitehaven. Featherstone Rovers accounting for Batley. I'm sure that they will play someone else uh, very soon. Will <laughs> Featherstone Rovers? They've played Batley three times already this season. Once in a pre-season friendly, once in the Challenge Cup, once in the Betfred Championship, uh, and then Oldham accounting for Swinton by 28 points to 20. And get this: we have draws in the Championship. Newcastle Thunder fighting back to claim a, a really good result and uh, a share of the spoils against Widnes. Now, under win percentage, this win percentage rule, what does that mean for a draw? Because there's no golden point in, in the championship. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm I'm sort of looking, because I was wondering the same thing, and it looks like they've given 50% each. So it's, oh, like, right, okay. so it's like half a win, if you like. Half a win. Right, okay. Half a win. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I, I, no, I don't. No, no. <laughs> They've also got this different percentage as well, which I, I don't get. And I know I've tried running it through my my tiny brain um, and I, I couldn't explain it. So maybe for our next podcast, I'll try and find out, then I can explain it properly. Yeah, you do that, because like I said, I'm totally confused by your own. <laughs> right, that's us at Confused.com. Out of here, I think, for another final Hooter podcast on LoveRugbyLeague.com. Adrian, as always, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And we'll be back again very soon. See you then.